Hello folks this is Nilanjana and you are listening to Vitra the Nisway podcast one thing you need to know about Nisway we like to draw our brand names from the Navi language and so Vitra in Navi means soul and that's kind of apt because this podcast is for the old souls the ones that like to take a minute to pause reflect on the bigger questions in life the ones that want to dive a little deeper and find more meaning in the lives that we lead We are all about those rare conversations that you end up having with an old friend or a chance acquaintance that go just a little beyond the what's up with you. So, let's get right to it. Hello and welcome to the 8th episode of Vitra and this one's titled Young and Driving Change. As you would have guessed, this episode is going to be a deep dive into what it means to be young today and what goes on behind the scenes of these very visible phenomena of young people driving massive social change in society. So, to talk about all of this today with me, I have Anisha Gupta and Rajit Sharma, both of whom are members of Youth Alliance. Now Youth Alliance is an organization that helps young people reconnect with themselves and discover the causes that they are passionate about and also gives them the resilience and the resources to go out there and make change. So welcome Anisha and Rachit. I am really glad to have you both here today. Thank you Nilanjana. Thank you so much Nilanjana. Just to get things off the ground, I think it's one of the very curious things right now that we find happening in front of ourselves is that there's a general perception that young people today are privileged and have had it easy and they're just like mostly concerned with Netflix or the meme culture or the influencer culture and not really a lot of substance and this is what you would find the probably older generation complaining about. But there's also the fact that young people today are also at the forefront of driving social change whether that's with the protests in India or whether that's with environmental and ecological protests happening the world over so do you also think that this is like a very unique phenomena that's happening at this moment in history where you have young people being perceived as lazy and entitled and privileged but it's also the young people who are driving change anisha what do you think Of course I think it's very interesting for many reasons particularly when I reflect on the young people around me my family my cousins friends I feel we haven't seen a lot of hardships in our life particularly because our parents have done that struggle of you know getting us two square meals or you know giving us a house or giving us a certain kind of lifestyle also coming from a certain class of socio economic background we haven't really seen hardships in our life i think probably like the hardship would be like you know our first heartbreak i think that i can definitely say about people around me yeah that's a true point i would say yeah and i think similarly there's also you know like such a huge disparity in the world we are living in where there's people from different socio economic background class are existing who are still facing those hardships like you know they don't have opportunities or you know they've seen their parents struggling and they also know that their parents struggle hasn't taken them anywhere but those struggles have been you know kind of passed forward to them to their generation and i think that's where you know we see two sides of young people one who doesn't care and also there's somebody who's on the street fighting for their rights for their generations to come i think a lot of it has also to do with young people aren't shown what reality is they don't really know what kind of reality exists probably 
outside their home outside their city or you know in the interiors of india and their idea of reality is only fixed to the people they spend their time with and which is quite okay and i think that's where our education system comes in place where we are boxed into a certain kind of reality and india is you know like the youngest country but the youth is such poles apart True. I think you raised a very interesting point about the fact that a lot of them are not being shown that there is another reality, and that sort of probably also comes from our educational system. And that's something that I would like to go a little bit deeper into. But first, I would also like to hear what Rachit has to say about the dichotomy in the youth today. I certainly feel that it's a very unique situation where you have people, you know, who are driven by means and influence trends, opinions, technology, so on and so forth, and there are people who are driven by meaning, change, you know, at the very grassroots level. But uh, I would like to really prick the bubble there. I feel, you know, the letter is a very small minority of people. The dominating narratives and the dominating voice is still the one that gets all the exposure, that gets all the limelight. If you switch on the news, if you switch on the social media, there is a certain kind of feud that you get to see. And these are the things which get archived over the years, and these are the things what become history. So I think uh, while I do agree that it's a very unique situation where you have two very different worlds existing together and at times overlapping, I still feel there is a certain dominating idea of young people which is there in the whole world, which sort of really doesn't look towards the interconnection or the interdependence that they have or their actions have on the rest of the world, and uh, you know are away from reality absolutely like. Uh, what anisha said i totally agree on that that there is a huge reality in our own country which we are not aware of i think that awareness is really important awareness in itself is service so i think if one starts with that awareness one gets to cross that bridge and gets to a place where you know meaning and change makes more sense than trends and opinions definitely so as you said ki there is this lack of awareness so where do you think this break from the external reality starts like as you said we come from like a privileged section of the society as far as i know about you and anisha we've all had like a privileged upbringing where we haven't had to worry about two meals a day and all of that so where do you think that break from the external reality takes place so i think when we talk about the youth of the country and especially the urban youth i think we must talk about what makes them like what is that one thing which plays a huge role in the making of the youth or what are the commons that we share and i think their education plays the most integral and the most remarkable role it is education that you and i really have in common right like more or less similar kind of education and uh, while the education helps us develop discernment critical thinking literacy numeracy i also feel the education itself is a challenge to us you know which also gives us blinders the kind of education that we get is of course commercial and industrial in nature which makes it a little elite which makes it inaccessible and uh, there's nothing wrong with you know education being commercial but when commerce is sold disguised as education i think that's problematic you're turning human beings into human resources when we talk about education we have a ministry of human resource development it is more towards productivity it's more mm. towards produce and consume you been that cycle mm. and uh, and i think that education itself is very monocultured which means it lacks diversity of thought it also lacks you know the local wisdom which is there so when you don't have those things it's very linear the subject or the circle of study becomes very linear for you and you are unable to see the interconnections that are there in the world 
So every action that I'm going to commit, everything that I'm, I'm going to do is going to have some impact in the rest of the world in some way, small or big. As we were also talking about competition. So I think absolutely like the education thrives in competition through which it gives us labels, you know, like either you're a topper or you're a, an average person or a below average failure or a good for nothing person. And I think at the end, competition really burns us out, the winner and the loser. We are not taught to collaborate. We are not taught to cooperate, which could be like more lasting, which could be more harmonious in that way. There is no experiential learning, which means there is a disconnection. There's a disconnection between urban, rural, self, system, work and life, and so many other things. I think the, the very knowledge of self, which I feel is the most important anchor, remains hidden. Like if we are not thought about how can I drive my uniqueness? How can I churn out my creativity? Like that should be the very uh, role of education, churn out the real potential of a person, right? And I think all of those things I feel missing in today's education, which is why we create our own realities and we are swept away by superficial things, products, market, trends, all of that. So yeah, I feel those are some of the reasons which drive us away from finding meaning very important points that you said in school we are not taught about a lot of the local context or a local wisdom that exists and that just took me back to a lot of my social studies textbooks that used to say okay rice grows in these regions and wheat grows in these regions and you're supposed to memorize all of that and this is the geography of the place this is the weather of the place or whatever all of that stuff and you would memorize it as a list of homogeneous information that you're supposed to understand or like just have in your head for some exam but you don't really know what goes into producing rice or producing wheat or the lives those people lead or the problems those people have. I think that becomes like a very key point of that uh, disconnect uh, that starts to form between people having this privileged information and people whose lives that they're learning about. So Anisha, would you have anything to add to those pointers that Rachit said or anything that you would want to qualify or maybe expand upon? Like I think Rachita almost covered everything. I also feel like the role the larger narrative plays in all of it, which sees, you know, success and development in a certain way for young people. And also like an important part of it is role modeling. So when I was in school, I remember my principal called me in her office and she said that, do you know the recent package of a person who went to SRCC was 36 lakhs. Uh, and she called me in because I was one of the brightest students in the class. And she said that, you know, we expect the same from you. And that's the kind of role modeling that's being offered to young people. And what do you expect out of a young person who's told by, you know, probably 10 people around him or her that you have to be in a certain way, you have to earn this much. You know, the people you are seeing on TV, you have to be like them. Do you see your cousin who's doing such a good job in Bombay or, you know, somewhere outside? And, you know, that's your competition. That's where you have to be. And, you know, if I go parents ko ja ke bolu ki, mujhe us job social sector job it isn't just valued in the same way my school was in a village like the school got its property in the village and a lot of kids who would come in my school my own classmates were from farmers background and uh, now I look back and understand that a person who's probably doing you know the most important work than any of us. If 
किसान स्टॉप्स डूइंग दैट खाने की हमें दिक्कत होगी लेकिन अगर आज मेरा वही कजिन जो यू नो हांगकांग में बैठा है वो अपना काम छोड़ दे तो शायद इतनी दिक्कत नहीं होगी इकोनॉमी वुड सफर इन अ डिफरेंट वे बट इट वोंट बी क्राइसिस ऑफ सर्वाइवल दैट एनी ऑफ अस वुड फील बट हाउ आई सॉ दोज चिल्ड्रन कैरिंग द सेम एस्पिरेशंस दैट वर फेड बाय आवर पेरेंट्स ऑफ यू नो व्हाट सक्सेस लुक्स लाइक यू नो व्हाट डेवलपमेंट लुक्स लाइक एंड it felt like a clear picture that anyone who has studied from that school would never go back and become a farmer like their parents so i think all those things truly makes me question that what kind of role modeling and what kind of understanding is being cultivated in a young person's mind where we are told that certain work is valued more certain kind of work is paid more and certain work isn't I think that's a very critical point you raise that like as youth today what have we been taught to value like development is always seen as if somebody from the village leaves his village goes to the city and does a 9 to 5 job that would be categorized as development for him but the fact that he left or he didn't do something that would sort of keep him connected to his roots or maybe his father was a farmer and he sort of chose to not do that anymore while that is categorized as development i i mean we don't really know if that's a really long term good thing to happen to the economy because then like who is doing all of that work that's essential for survival so you said this this certain kind of education that sort of creates a disconnect if i were to ask you guys how is it that you reconnected with these alternate realities or what has your story been like that uh, you got out of that set path of that uh, monocultured education and expanded out or reconnected with other realities uh, rachit what was your story like i think one of the most significant needs of a human being is to be accepted is to be accepted as i am right that's like a very human need and i feel for myself in my personal journey i have come across spaces which really noticed me or which really kind of recognized me for who i am not for what i had or what i did so i think that's been very powerful thought for me or a very powerful idea for me that when you recognize something for what he or she is rather than what he or she has or does that really changes something in my personal journey i think rooting in myself the inner self has been extremely you know helpful in understanding the outer reality so when we talk about disconnection the very first disconnection arises when we separate the self which is my you know which is my inner self that consists of my imagination my emotions creativity my values my intuition from the outer self which is like the different systems my family my school my work the world the ecosystem whatever so i think wahan se jab wo disconnection shuru ho jata hai it just spills in everything that i do and somehow i i have found the very solution in it that when you start rooting in yourself when you take the searchlights back inward you start to see the outward reality in a different sense and you know mujhe lagta hai ki wo dono ka aapas mein samjhasse hona balance hona bahut zaruri hai and i think that has been for myself it's been it's been quite a quite a journey of you know transformation that when that inner transformation is witnessed and seen and it's reflected upon pondered upon you also see a outer transformation so whatever you going to do outside there would be a connection with your feelings and emotions so whatever is outside whatever structures you see whatever systems you see are the reflection of who we are inside so if a system is full of insecurity it means you know the person who has designed it had some fear inside 
so you know i i feel all these outer structures do reflect the inner life that a person or that individual has and i think in my journey with youth alliance and with a lot of organizations that i work with you know my experience has been that how can i root myself how can i anchor myself in that inner world so that the outer change could be well witnessed could be thought through without driving it from the savior complex or oh, let me just go there and help it or let me just go there and fix that maybe that doesn't need your help maybe that doesn't need your fixing you know so how do you understand those little nuances when you go out there to change the world do you know yourself enough have you changed yourself enough and i'm sure it's like a lifelong question and a lifelong quest for me so when you said that the start of finding that connection back is to root yourself back again to your inner self what does that look like in practical terms like if i were to ask what is it that happened or is it something you felt or did or thought about or sat down and cleared your mind and relooked at your whole life what is it that you did or do or something like that helps you root yourself back to your inner self like what does that process look like to you I think Nilajana you had shared something about single stories so there are a lot of single stories which we kind of you know which we feed on this single story of education this single story of human beings there is a single story of colonialism like these are all single stories i think for me personally my journey started when i started seeing beyond single stories beyond stories of separation which separate things or which box things it begins with curiosity which is as abstract as it is practical what plays the most important part when somebody is driven by curiosity or is reflecting on a certain questions or certain ideas the most important thing at that point is to have a community is to have a community which kind of you know trusts you a community that you could fall on a community that would have this reflection in certain ways collectively you know because these are the things you would need a lot of support in right when you are challenging those single stories which have a dominant character which is kind of really changing the world you would need a certain kind of community to support you to trust you with whom you could be also vulnerable with your reflections right you don't want to judge for your mistakes for your meanderings for your thoughts and i think community has played a huge role you know and i hope it's a practical thing in practical terms that when you have people around you or you create a community around you which is not so judgmental which is also rooted in similar values that you have i think that really just kind of accelerates the pace of reflection or accelerates the pace of that connection between the outer and the inner that at least in my case has played a remarkable role i think that's a very important thing that needed to be said is that when you are challenging or breaking apart those single narratives in your head it can get uh, really lonely because it seems like you're the only person who's thinking differently and are you right are you wrong or like why is it that you are sort of starting to think different and if you have a community around yourself to collectively reflect or that things along the same lines i think uh, that sort of helps you or at least comforts you in a sense that this is not just you or this nothing wrong with you to try to think a little bit differently okay so anisha what has the journey been like for you when would you say was your turning point or wanting to switch towards a more connected holistic view of what reality is or stepping out of the bubble 
I think for me, it was a point where I decided that, you know, I have to listen to myself and not to others. Like I've heard enough people, you know, for a good amount of my life who were constantly telling me what to do, what not to do. Like it just wasn't settling with me at all. And, you know, it was somewhere around 2015 where I decided like a defined path of, you know, studying, getting a job, securing yourself, earning money. All of that wasn't working for me or it was lacking meaning for me. I want to try something that brings me closer to what I want to do to serve the society or at least that looks more meaningful to me than spending all day in the company of books. Mm. And, and I applied for Gramya Minthin, which is a program that Youth Alliance does. I came across it through a friend who had just shared it on his Facebook wall and you know I applied for it I got through it and it was like a task for me to kind of you know have my parents send me for that program I think I was only 19 that time and it was also my first time traveling alone to a different city okay and I had to make up a lot of stories like I had found courage to listen to myself but I still hadn't found enough courage to share it with other people or to you know to confront my father that you know this is what I want to do so I had to make up a little bit of stories and say you know let me just go try it will open up good opportunities for me that's what people look for diverse things in resumes when you go apply for a job I think that's very telling because like even though we find that courage we can't sort of like find the courage to convince other people that this is the right direction so you have to remodel all of that into terms that they would find acceptable like you said like diverse things people look for in resumes so this would be one of those things just to make something like that more palatable or attractive yeah yeah and that's how I spent you know 10 days in the villages of Kanpur with you know another set of 30 people and their team of youth alliance and I think that was my moment of realizing that what I've been feeling or thinking it isn't wrong there are people who think like that and I think what Rachit was saying that you know a big human need is to feel accepted and to be heard and that was my space of being accepted for who I am, being accepted for you know who I wanted to be or what I wanted to do. And yeah, I think just right after that I came back to Delhi, I started volunteering with Youth Alliance and uh, for good one and a half year I volunteered with Youth Alliance in like the most organic way where the idea was not to volunteer volunteer or you know to have another experience or uh, to have another certificate but my prime feeling was that oh I don't want to lose on to these people you know who made me feel accepted yeah and I continued to show up at Youth Alliance's office for a long while and it wasn't like a structured volunteering but I would just do anything and everything and eventually spending more time with people gave me the courage to handle things at my personal end with my family. Also, it's like that when you're in college, you'll call the best entrepreneurs, best industrialists. And they will tell you something and you will feel like, oh, yes, the world is like this, you know, it's like this. Hmm. But you just shift the context. You go and spend time in an NGO and, you know, different social leaders would come in. People who have spent all their life, you know, working and serving a community will come in and they will tell you something and you would align with it. Like you would see a different perspective. And I think that's what happened with me. I think I just shifted my company. And that company felt right. I think that was the beginning of, you know, that holistic approach and following the dreams or calling. 
all right so i think what's majorly coming out from both uh, what rachit said and what you said was that that change in perspective has to happen before the change in perspective whether that's in your mind or whether that's in the company that you are keeping something of that or a shift of that sort has to happen before you can start reconnecting and then sort of also viewing other perspectives and other realities and i think there is one thing that i wanted to also go into at this point was that something that rachit said is uh, not to go at something from a savior uh, complex maybe that doesn't need saving and that is something that a lot of people have when they think about contributing to society or driving change is that they come at it from a savior complex and what i wanted to know from anisha was that when you went and did that program in a village in kanpur what are the things that you saw and was there ever a point where it felt like we are here to fix certain things or how is that whole experience structured so that you don't come at it from a savior point of view i think one thing that was shared with us right in the beginning was that change can't happen overnight and you know we are here for just 10 days so whatever you do don't try to help people or don't make any promises to them so the villages we were in abhi wahan pe electricity ek saal pehle hi aayi hai wahan pe toilets nahi hote zyada tar gharon mein toilets nahi hote wahan pe kheton mein jana padta hai ya fir is tarike ka mahol dekh ke jab laga mujhe ki and not just me but any urban youth would go there and see that it's lack of resources like you know if somebody doesn't have electricity or toilet like mm-hmm. it's lack of resources and you know we should do something that brings those resources to them but i think just if we kind of hold on to ourselves in that moment and say that you know okay let me not see the scarcity but let me see the abundance that's there in their culture i think it shifts the way uh, you know we are engaging with a the community then we are not trying to fix them or help them but we are just being with them as they are and who they are ki agar wahan pe लाइट uh, नहीं है और लाइट नहीं है इसलिए लोग साथ में बैठ के समय बिताते हैं और कॉमन स्पेसेस है इतनी कम्युनिटी बिल्डिंग इतनी होती है अगर उस तरीके से देख पाए सो यू वोट सी एनी स्कॉसिटी एंड जस्ट आई थिंक लाइक द यूथ अलायंस टीम प्लेट सच अ बिग रोल इन ब्रिंगिंग आर अटेंशन टू दो स्पेसेज एंड इन हेल्पिंग अस रिफ्लेक्ट दैट यू नो दीज आर दिंग्स दैट बिल्ड द कम्युनिटी कल्चर एंड हाउ डज इट टेक अवे फ्रॉम द फीलिंग ऑफ यू नो दैट आई नीड टू गिव समबडी समथिंग जस्ट बिकॉज आई हैव इट दे प्रोबली माइट नॉट नीड इट दे प्रोबली माइट नॉट हैव यूज ऑफ इट बट हाउ डू वी सी द अबंडसेज दैट दे हैव एंड प्रोबली वी कैन कैरी दोज अबंडसेज इन टू आर लाइफ सो कैन अ अर्बन यूथ think that they can carry something from a village which is yet to see electricity which still doesn't have toilets and they can see something and they can carry it back in their life in the cities so that i for economy was like i think one thing that helped us move away from the feeling of fixing all right i think that's one of the most coherent and actionable things that i have heard about how not to approach things from a savior complex in the sense that i had not thought about the fact that instead of just thinking about what they don't have and what you have and what you can give them just shift or like turn the perspective into what is it that they have that you don't have and you can probably get over that whole feeling of trying to fix things rachit are there also similar experiences that you have had because i know you spent some considerable time in the northeast and working with local communities there so what is the thing that stuck with you from that experience or that you brought back 
from that experience in terms of making change or you know driving change for the better first of all i would like to say that uh, when we talk about savior complex there is a massive savior complex not just in general in the world but in the social sector or the development sector there is massive massive savior complex mm-hmm. and it all comes from you know well intentions uh, yeah. i think one should also kind of you know reflect a little as to what is the real intention of it of helping somebody or fixing somebody because when you go with an intention to help then that process of helping is more important than that person so i kind of make it about myself that i am helping someone or i am fixing something hmm. and and i think right there you put yourself on a pedestal and the other person into a pit and it's not like an equal relationship mm. um what i have understood and what i experience like you know every time that we go for a programs and even before that you know relationships are more important like with human beings you can't have these partnerships of you know uh, like somebody is benefiting somebody is paying the relationship really is important for us to have like a like an equal opportunity to learn from each other and and i think that has been what anisha also mentioned that you know how do you start seeing the abundance whether we are talking about a village or we are talking about a person you know it could be some some person who we think is the saddest is in the most pitiful condition but if you just drop that lens of scarcity and see the abundance you'd see that every person would have some uniqueness which drives them and especially you know in rural communities especially in remote places just one thing just one process of dropping the economic lens would make you see things in such a different light that it would be so surprising like for me it has been such a like a turnaround that once you just drop the lens of economics which says that more money means rich less money means poor pakka house means rich kacha house means poor if you just kind of put that lens for some time away you'd find that there is so much of richness there's so much of traditional wisdom there is so many practices which are really so much in harmony with the rest of the ecosystem and then you start questioning everything that your education has taught you everything that the single stories have taught you everything that the story of separation has taught you and i think it's all about kind of really dropping those lenses and opening some windows so that that equal opportunity could be created where i am also serving but i am also being served by the person because they are helping me in understanding a different experience you know they are helping me learn something new and it's a very equal relationship so nobody is kind of the savior and nobody needs saving right so i think when you said about uh, dropping the economic lens and that is when you start to be able to see the richness i think that also comes from the single story of development that we have been fed as you said like a pakka house means there are developed and rich and cultured people and a kacha house means you're poor or sort of underdeveloped and then you need saving and development and all of those things and i think for me also one of the moments when i started to see that in some parts was uh, in college when i was doing a project on the naxalism movement and i went into understanding or reading books about why there is this whole sort of extremist activity in that region or why is it that people are anti government fighting with the government in different places and when you go deep down into all of those stories and reasonings i started to realize that it is because that we thought or the mainstream india thought that those people need development so we will sort of give them this and give them that and take away their forests or take away their traditional learning and junk all of that and give them our own model of development and that is where the problem started so yeah that whole economic lens plays a huge role in how we see ourselves or how we try to con- 
contribute to society and that is probably one of the key shifts in perspectives again that that has to happen for a lot of us i think all right so i also wanted to know that like youth alliance is an organization that is helping uh, youngsters connect to themselves or connect to the causes that they are passionate about now you have seen people uh, come to youth alliance join different programs and then rediscover themselves so do you think there is some sort of commonality or something a common thread that runs through all of these young people who are coming into or are at this point in their lives where they try to break away from the traditional path of success and failure and this single story of development i think a few similarities that one could see in the alumni and the people who joined the program the leadership programs that utilized first is that it has been a culture that more urban youth apply for different programs but if i would really think about some sort of commonality at a thought level i think it it has to be that you know curiosity is one so we have a very long engagement process which is the application process for any program that we do where we try to connect with the person like you know in a deeper way not just like you know materially knowing what they do or you know what they've been doing but also who they are and i think there because i have kind of you know run the engagement process for some programs i felt that a lot of people who apply are curious like they really want to know first of all similarly like you know how our culture is we we want to help so they they come with a very genuine very honest intention to help which kind of when they enter the program you know some certain things happen certain experiences happen and it shifts so i think those two things are major things that i find the curiosity and that uh intention to help the other yeah i could think of these two yeah anisha anything that you would have noticed or any additions to what rachit mentioned i think one common thing is that you know these people they are in quest of something and they have questioned the education system that they have been part of in terms of that it hasn't led to fulfillment for them there's something that's always still missing with these people or there's something that they're always looking for which goes beyond the job which goes beyond you know definitions of what success or security looks like and i think that quest is something that i've notice is quite common in these people all right so another thing that i wanted to understand from you was that as rajit pointed out in the beginning when you are trying to reconnect with yourself it is very important to have that whole community around you that accepts you and doesn't judge you or sort of helps you along that path do you think on a larger level also for a lot of this change to happen or emerge or sort of actually become a reality in the society do you think there is also a need to have a larger community or ecosystem of this set of people who think alike and larger ecosystem of change makers how important do you think that is i think it's very important because definitely change can't happen in isolation and especially when you know too many people are trying to bring change it can't definitely happen in that isolation i think what we are seeing in social space right now is that people come in with very genuine need of contributing to the society but the competition has also seeped in the social space where ngos are kind of almost fighting for same resources same communities like their vision would be same it's just probably the process would be different and i think that deeply disrupts the process of change or the process of you know harmony or collaboration that can support in bringing the change at a larger level i mean it's almost as like in the system that we are fighting against or that we don't resonate with we have become part of that system in the most traditional way of you know what does an organization look like 
where should the funding come from same colleges that we are going to look for volunteers should those volunteers join youth alliance or some other ngo all of that so how do we kind of you know come out of that competitive mindset and enter into a space of collaboration for larger change is very much needed and uh, and i think it's happening also at a lot of places where ngos are coming together and creating like a very fertile ground for that ecosystem to be built where they're saying that how can we learn from each other's strengths and how can we support each other in their areas of learning or you know where they are probably uh, not so good and uh, and together we thrive so i think that's a very- very interesting thing that you pointed out that social sector is also becoming similar to the systems that it is fighting against so the competition coming in or the lack of collaboration that's happening but i'm assuming that's also a growing pains in the sense that because the sector is just finding its footing right now or some of that will happen before we find more collaborative ways of working rachit what would you have to say about the need for a community or an ecosystem of uh, change makers who are empowered to drive things can i say it is the most important thing to drive change i think collaboration community is the most important thing if you want to take up that intention to to change something i think community plays a significant role i absolutely echo with what anisha said that it's a very simple theory prisoner's dilemma that when you compete one loses and one wins but when you collaborate everybody wins so it's like how do you go from losing and winning structure to winning and winning structure i also feel imagination plays a huge role in it that somehow in a culture there is no imagination for social fiction there is a lot of science fiction that you get right like there is black mirror there's matrix all these movies and literature is written about science fiction where you imagine a world which is so technologically advanced but you don't have a social fiction where you would also imagine a world where there is no scarcity or where there is no inequality where there is no discrimination where there's no poverty i haven't come across such a you know social fiction so i think it also comes down to imagination like you know together how do we imagine a community we give different words society structures systems but how can all of that be a huge big community where diverse thoughts can coexist where diverse colors and diverse gifts can coexist together so i think imagination is also one of the significant players in this idea i think the thing you said about social fiction i think a lot of social fiction probably does exist but that exists of the apocalyptical kinds where something really bad has happened to the society and then we have fallen down to the same tropes of creating inequality and mirroring the same systems that the previous society has so like things going bad in terms of a society we have fiction around that but yeah as you said we don't have the imagination or nothing around things going really well in society so yeah i think that's a, that's an interesting thing to ponder upon i've never thought about it like that but true that's something very interesting to think about all right so i think one last theme that i wanted to touch upon here is working in the social sectors and i think it would go back to what anisha said while you yourself might find that courage to go down a path like this what do you tell your parents or what do you tell the people around you because a lot of the general perception around working in the social sector is again that single story of you working in an ngo you not getting paid very well and that's about it i mean i would say that's almost the entirety of what the larger population knows about 
contributing back to society or working in the social sector do you think that's an accurate perception one and if not then what does the reality look like i think one is that at least you know the generation of our parents they are yet to kind of understand and recognize that the sector is becoming like any other profession you know which can support his or her financial needs also and it is a very much recognized career when i started working in social sector like one of the most common questions i was asked in my extended family relatives was that do you get paid and i think for a young person it's also the choice between meaning and money that comes in here the sector will pay you the sector will take care of your needs it probably won't be as much as you would find in a corporate job at least i've come to understand it as that you know either you run like a short sprint or you run a long marathon so if to run like a marathon it's about meaning but if to run sprints then it's about money and that's where a young person has to make choice all right the choice that you presented here that is again i think a very good way to look at things uh, rachit what is your take on that i feel the social sector or the development sector is becoming like any other you know sector any other cooperation it is becoming very techno managerial in nature a lot of large big ngos do pay as much as the corporates do pay but i think there what very well anisha you know said the question of money and meaning does come it's a myth that you know social sector or development sector really drive change i think at most they are just facilitators the change will come from the society from the world from people from citizens so i think it's a long journey of discernment it's a long journey of reflection when you kind of enter the social space because it in certain ways challenges the economic system right like it says that you can get more meaning but less money so right from there you start to discern like you know what is more important for you and in every choice of your life that choice plays out the relationships that one can form in a company or in a collaboration there's a lot of social capital which lies there hidden and i think it is this collaboration which helps us to find those gems all right so i think we have come a full circle talking about where the disconnect happens to resolving that to experiencing being in a community and driving change and making change and all of that so if i were to ask you that what do you think it takes uh, to be an actual a uh, change maker or somebody who's going to have a genuine impact on society what do you think that takes i think for me it has a lot to do with listening if you're able to listen to people around you you'll understand what their needs are and you'll also understand what is it that they don't need and i think that enables just the whole process of change making and serving anybody so i think being a listener is very important to be a change maker in today's world right rachit what is your take on that i would say it all starts with a question it really starts with a question when you start getting curious about the system around you it could be any system and i think the next step at least for me has been when i'm questioning that system can i first question myself and then experience the system so that i could see it from all dimensions but having said that i think a question a questioning mind is the one that really kind of changes things in the world
All right. So truly deeply listening to what people want and what they don't want and having a questioning mind. You're questioning the system, yes, but also sort of first pausing to question yourself and your role within that system. Those emerge as some of the key things that are essential to drive change in society. And I think with that, we've come to like a very good close to our conversation in this episode. Rachit and Anisha, thank you very much for agreeing to be here and talk about all of this and I think I personally got to hear about a lot of new perspectives that I was probably aware of in some ways but had not really thought about it this deeply and I very much am grateful to you guys for bringing those perspectives to me and I hope our listeners would also feel the same. Thank you Nilanjana. Thank you. All right, folks. So this is all we have for this episode. And I hope you also found new ways of thinking and new perspectives here. And we'll be back to you with another episode very soon. Till then, this is Nilanjana signing out. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you like the conversation, do share this episode with your friends and family. We at Nisway would love to hear from you guys. So if you have any suggestions, ideas about topics we can cover in the future, or simply want to get into a deep and meaningful conversation with us, reach out to us at podcast at nisway.com. You can also connect with us on any of our social media handles. It's Nisway on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Finally, make sure to follow Vitra on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast or Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast fix to never miss an episode.